It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. All across the fantasy universe, welcome one and all to the two-point stance powered by fantasypoints.com. I am your host, Brian Drake, alongside my good partner here, Mr. Joe Dolan, fresh off an aquarium visit uh, this weekend. Joe, you look a little worse for wear here today. Uh, this is about as good as I look these days, Drake. It's uh, my uh, my niece and nephew, Everly and Mac, came down for, for a little visit. Um, so I've been kind of out of the loop this week. But uh, I live in Greenville, South Carolina. Took them to the uh, Georgia Aquarium in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, on Monday, it was President's Day, and it was a nightmare. Uh, going with a four four year old and a one year old, and uh, let me tell you something, man. There was a lady; her kid just like jumped out in front of uh, uh, the stroller I was pushing. I'm a terrible stroller pusher, by the way, so you can tell I'm not a father. But uh, the, some kid just jumped out, and, and the lady yelled at the kid, and I said, I said to her, "Lady, it's nobody's fault today, man." <laughs> it's like <laughs> I, I said, it's just awful here. Like just just t- take it in stride, go home, get a cocktail. You know, you need it. So uh, no, it was it was a fun week though. I hadn't seen them, you know, my niece and nephew and my mom and my sister since June. Um, so it was good to have them down, you know, when, when, uh, they're from, they live up in the Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, just about an hour outside of Philadelphia. And, um, you know, I, I don't get a chance to see them that often, you know, the holidays I work, you know, so it's hard to, to get home and see them, but it was great to see them refresh the batteries a little bit. Uh, of course I've been not sleeping because that's what toddlers do to you. So, um, the, refreshing the batteries might include, just sitting on the couch and watching some television this week, taking care of my dog. You might see her back there, Butterscotch, Aww. for those of you watching on YouTube. Um, uh, she's just had her second paw surgery. For those of you who have been following along with the uh, the saga on uh, when I did the daily lineup during the season, still the same thing she's been dealing with since Thanksgiving. Uh, we think this is finally the last one, though, so I'm very happy about that. Oh, I, I hope uh, the pup pulls through and turns things around. And while you're at the aquarium – you kind of you're swimming with the fishes. Sometimes we get in over our heads swimming in NFL news and we miss some of the key things that are going to help us be good fantasy football players. And one of those things is fan is uh, the fantasy play callers, right? Now we want to there's always offensive coordinators who come in, they don't call plays, but we want to zero in today on who these new play callers are. For offenses in the NFL, it's something I've been banging the table for for years. If you follow me on Twitter at Drake Fantasy, Joe is at FG underscore Dolan. So we brought in an expert today, senior writer over at FantasyPoints.com, Tom Brawley. He's on Twitter at Tom Brawley. He did an excellent article, which we will link in the show notes, to the coaching carousel. Who's in? Who's out? Is it an upgrade? Is it a downgrade? We'll go around the NFL and talk about some of these new play callers. Brawley, welcome back. We've only done a month of shows here. You've already been on twice. I think I was the first guest, and now I'm the first two-time guest. So I'm going to be trying to set records on the two-point stance, but thanks for having me back, guys. I think it went so well the first time that uh, you guys you know, made an exception for me to come back. So uh, happy to be here, and I'm sure I'm going to be on here quite a bit as the season goes, you know, as the season approaches. Well, let's dive right into it. You did a great job in the article. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, our cover boy is Sean Payton. Everyone's excited 
about the 59-year-old coach getting back into the game. He's now with the Denver Broncos. And, Tom, I mean, it really it couldn't have gone worse, as you said in the piece, for Denver last year. You've got, Sean, or you've got Russell Wilson. You've got coming back healthy Javante Williams. You've got a bevy of talented pass catchers on the outside. Like, we should get this thing working here. I mean, what do you expect from Sean Payton in his first year in Denver? Yeah, I mean, there were high expectations for the Broncos last year. You know, Russell Wilson coming in with that receiving core. Uh, it went south pretty quickly. I remember Tim Patrick uh, was injured right away in training camp, missed the season, and it seemed like they just kept taking hit after hit after hit. Uh, Javante Williams uh, blew out his knee early in the year, too. So it was a combination of a lot of things, and – it ended with, uh, you know, packing it and canned after 15 games. John Payton took his little mini retirement and didn't last long. It was only one year. And uh, the Walton family opened up the the the, the pay bank, uh, the, opened up the bank uh, and certainly paid him a lot of money to kind of retirement here and kind of turned things around here. They're, they're very financially invested in Russell Wilson. They made the big trade last year and uh, they, they locked him in and, there's not not many ways out of that contract uh, for the foreseeable future. So uh, they're they're invested in both Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, and he's got his, he's got his work uh, you know cut out for him here. Uh, we'll see if he can. You know, that's, that's the thing. Like uh, he's working with a short quarterback again. That's about the only similarities I see between Sean Payton and uh, Drew Brees. I mean, Brees was the get out quick, don't take sacks. Uh, you know, just filter the ball to the best players. And uh, Russell Wilson's the complete opposite. Stand in the pocket. Let the play develop. Yeah, I'll take sacks if I have to. Uh, get the ball deep. So this is going to be a very interesting marriage between Sean Payton and uh, Russell Wilson. We'll see if they can start to turn around here. You know, Drake, one of the things that I think here with, with the Sean Payton-Russell-Wilson relationship is – the lack of a first-year coach who might be kind of uh, swimming by, you know, uh, swimming upstream, if you will, hanging on by the thread of the, the, the seat of his pants, um, one belt loop away from Sunday night's news, as uh, as our Tom and I, our, our guy Cooley says. Um, I think one of the things that Sean Payton is going to bring to this team is he's not going to take crap from Russell Wilson. You know, there was already the – the, in the, his opening press conference, oh, the, Russell Wilson's personal training posse mm. or his personal health group is not go- <laughs> right. Right, it's not it's not going to be welcome in in my building. And Sean Payton can say that because Sean Payton's likely a Hall of Famer. As a matter of fact, after last year, I'd argue Sean Payton's closer to being a Hall of Famer than Russell Wilson is. I think Russell Wilson before last year, we would have all considered him a lock for the Hall of Fame. And last year was so damaging to his reputation that I do wonder if Russell Wilson has the humility, has the wherewithal, has the um, has the personal reflection to actually lick his wounds and go to a veterinarian. And I think they're hoping Sean Payton is that veterinarian. They're hoping he's that doctor, somebody who not just is going to bring better play calling to the Denver Broncos, better offensive design, but somebody who is saying, all right, you got your money, but if you want to win 
and you don't want to be the laughing stock of the league anymore, you better damn well listen to me. And I think that might be the bigger factor with Sean Payton in Denver. Yeah, I think also Sean Payton is a good guy who's going to come in and and he's going to instill his offense. And I think that's a good question for us here. Is he going to adjust his offense to Russell Wilson and the players that are already in Denver? Or is he just going to come in and say, guys, this is the offense we're running. This is what we're implementing. I'm going to be here for X number of years. You know, Russ, you might only be here for another two. Uh, And if it doesn't work after this year, you know, maybe we'll draft somebody. We'll find somebody else. Is it the chicken or the egg here with Sean Payton? Is it his offense or is he tweaking? Because let's not forget, guys, Russell Wilson is still a very, very athletic uh, NFL quarterback. We we all talk about him now like he's Al Bundy out there. And, And, you know, he can't do anything. He's living on the past. But he's still a good athlete. I think these two guys can get together and and. I don't want to say make some magic, but they got to be better than a year ago, Tom. Yeah, I think you're going to certainly have to cater the offense more towards Russell Wilson than Russell Wilson kind of catering himself to Sean Payton. Uh, we just don't have a lot of, you know, data points. It's actually, you know, Sean Payton was always with Drew Brees uh, since he arrived in, in New Orleans there. So uh, he hasn't had to be real flexible here. So, We'll, we'll see how it plays out. I think he's going to have to cater the offense, maybe more rolled pockets. and But he at least he does have that experience of, you know, how to, you know, kind of form a pocket for Drew Brees, the, you know, a short, shorter quarterback, uh, you know, moving it away from center a little bit. And, uh, you know, he has some of that experience. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. Uh, I think one other player coming off a major injury, Javante Williams, uh, but we saw, I mean, that, that's one thing about the Saints offense uh, down in New Orleans. Uh, they always had a fancy RB1 type of back. I mean, it started with Deuce McAllister in 2016 and ran all the way through Reggie Bush, Pierre Thomas, Darren Spools, Mark Ingram, and then, of course, Alvin Kamara the last few years. So, uh, obviously, Javante Williams has a long recovery ahead of him. He had a like a J.K. Dobbins type of injury. Last year, where it wasn't just ACL, it was multiple ligaments involved. So it could be, you know, he could be looking at a, a missed start to the season, but this has certainly been a very fantasy friendly offense. And I would expect, uh, you know, that was one thing we did see with Russell Wilson last year. He wasn't afraid to check the ball down to, to, to his running backs. And uh, hopefully we can keep that going with Javante Williams next year and uh, Sean Payton's offense. Joe, Javante Williams coming off the board in. Uh, I've got some best ball information for uh, the big board tournament over at Underdog, which we'll tell you more about as the show goes on. Javante Williams coming off the board with an ADP of 61. That's ahead of guys like Delvin Cook, Damian Pierce, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins. Do you like Javante in that range coming off this injury? 61? Mm -hmm. That's ahead of Dalvin Cook? Dalvin Cook's ADP right now is – oh, I'm sorry – Delvin Cook is 55. Okay. Oh, my. Uh, let me adjust this. Uh... Um. So, I'm looking <laughs> at barely. So, Javante Williams. So, that makes him a six-round pick. Um. That, to me, is fair-ish. Um, probably still a little too early. Uh, our Dr. Edwin Porras at Fantasy Points compared Javante to um, the J.K. Dobbins injury without obviously being in there and operating on Javante Williams. Uh, He compared that injury to J.K. Dobbins, and we know J.K. Dobbins had some good moments at the end of the year, but if you drafted him in the fifth and sixth round in August, he did not pay off on that 
uh, on that draft pick. It's a guy that we're going to have to monitor as the season goes on. Now, it's a double-edged sword. Because if the reports about Javante Williams in July are positive and he's practicing and he's not going after reporters on Twitter the way J.K. Dobbins did, then Javante Williams' ADP is probably going to rise. So then it might become a moot point. But one of the things that I'm starting to look at this year, and this is a conversation for a separate day, especially once we get into the weeds with best ball and talking about the dead zone running backs, you know, guys like Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders who ended up being league winners. Uh, in 2022, one of the things that I've got to look at is, A, acknowledge why fantasy players are low on these guys, mm-hmm. which was obvious with Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders and certainly with Javante Williams. But if the price is right, talk yourself into the best case scenario. Now, I'm not saying you draft Javante Williams in the second round, but man, if he becomes a sixth round pick, seventh round pick, I can see myself drafting Javante Williams there. But um, I think his ADP is going to be very sensitive. It's going to be like a, a ping pong ball based on the reports that we get this offseason. I think his injury was more involved than that of Brees Hall. And, and I think the ADPs bear that out now with Brees Hall going a couple rounds ahead of him. Yeah, I think the market kind of corrected itself a little bit, Joe. If you remember early last offseason, J.K. Dobbins was a third-round pick and you know, it took all of his, you know, troubles getting back on the field to, to fall to the sixth round last year. So uh, the market is, you know, kind of pricing in this year with Javante Williams that, hey, this is a bigger, you know, a more difficult injury to come back from than just a straight ACL. So uh, the market has corrected a little bit. Uh, I think Javante Williams is certainly a better athlete. And uh, Jake Dobbins is certainly a top-notch kind of a running back, too, coming out of Ohio State. But uh, I mean, Dobbins, his, his, you know, he, of course he had the cleanup surgery in the middle of last year, uh, caused him to miss, uh, you know, for at least four games or so. So, I mean, that was about as worst case as it gets. Uh, it seems like, you know, the Javante Williams right now, it, it seems like a very fair price here in the sixth round. If you haven't gotten ready for it, folks, I suggest you do the Elvin Kamara, Javante Williams comps because Drew Brees, or excuse me, Drew Brees, Sean Payton once coached uh, Elvin Kamara. You'll hear it all summer long. People go, can Sean Payton make Javante his Elvin Kamara? So, you know, just get your barf bag ready and, uh, you know, it's going to get shoved down your throat. So we talked about ADP on one running back. Another guy, again, coming off injury this year, is Tony Pollard. His ADP on underdog right now is 40th overall. He's going to have a new play caller, and it's Mike McCarthy. We all know Mike McCarthy. He's the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, formerly of the Green Bay Packers. This is really a back-against-the-wall season for Mike McCarthy, right, Thomas? He has got to get it done. Otherwise, he's literally probably out the door, and they'll just slide Dan Quinn into that that spot, and we could be talking about a new offensive play caller in Dallas next year. Uh, So, boy, this is interesting everybody's banging on Dak for, you know, his play down the stretch and, you know, they couldn't get him over the hump. Was it Kellen Moore? Was it Mike McCarthy's in-game strategy? Is it just Dak? Could they lean on the run game more? But everybody, Tom, is going to be talking about this Dallas Cowboys offense because, number one, they're America's team, as much as that makes me want to puke. But number two, and for fantasy, they got so many weapons, man. We want a piece of Pollard. We want Dak. We want CD. What do you think McCarthy brings to this Dallas attack? 
Yeah, this is kind of a – it's going to feel like a step down here. I mean, what we've seen from Kyle Moore's offense the last four years, I mean, it's right behind the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, like there's only one way for this offense to go, and it's to take a step back here. And uh, it started taking a step back last year after they traded away Amari Cooper. Uh, certainly a power struggle was going on in Dallas. I mean, McCarthy, he kind of, you know, relented whenever he took the job. Uh, Kellen Moore was uh, Jason Garrett's guy, uh, but they allowed him to stay on and coach the offense. Uh, now that they've lost and, you know, they can't get past the divisional round here again uh, for the second straight year. They can't get past the 49ers. So McCarthy got his way here. Hey, you want to see what my offense is really capable of? Let me run it. Uh, it's time for Kellen Moore to move on. But I, I just, I'm just very skeptical that uh, – you know, that this offense is going to be much improved uh, based on what they've done the last couple of years uh, with, with uh, Kevin Moore. So uh, I think it's going to be probably a step back here for the for the Cowboys offense. I don't know about what you think about this situation, Joe. Uh, I think a lot of this is going to be dictated by what they do uh, in the open market. Um, for the free agents at class at wide receiver is, is a disaster, which we'll get to in the coming weeks. Um, I wonder if Dallas is going to be the, a team that's going to be aggressive in trading for receivers. Michael Gallup did not give them what they needed. CeeDee Lamb's obviously a very good player, but Dalton Schultz is a free agent. They, they, they got nothing out of Jalen Tolbert as a rookie. They need more at the wide receiver spot. And uh, Noah Brown's a free agent as well. As a matter of fact, he's like one of the top 10 free agents at the position. If you want to see, <laughs> see where the, uh, the wide receivers are. Um, they need to make some, some upgrades there. The offensive line is getting really old. I think Tyler Smith probably gave them some, uh, some positives for them, but Jason Peters is over 40 and is a free agent. Tyron Smith, you can't trust him to stay healthy. Zach Martin, um, Biotish. I know he made the Pro Bowl, but he's a good player. He's not a great one. I, I think the personnel Drake is going to dictate a lot more of what happens to Dallas's offseason um, uh, offense this this coming season. And I'm I think Jerry will look to rectify some of those things. I just don't know if they have the money, the firepower to actually do that. I don't know if there's the players available for them to actually do that. And they might have to give up their first round pick if they want to make a significant improvement. Now they're going to have to also shell out some money for Tony Pollard. Uh, so Tony Pollard as well. Yeah. So Tony Pollard coming off injury, just as they did with Michael Gallup a year ago, they're going to have to either, I mean, do they franchise? You can't franchise Tony Pollard while you're already paying Zeke Elliott a ton of dough. I mean, how much money can you pay two running backs? I think Jerry Jones is going to look at Tony Pollard's injury and say, hey, Tony, yeah, you know, uh, they, um, Jerry, Jones, Jerry Jones is from North Jersey. <laughs> like, uh, hey, um, Tony over here. Uh. Uh, he's going to say, uh, Tony, man, like, look, you broke your ankle. We're going to give you some good money. I mean, what what, what do you want us to do? Um, yeah, it just, just – a really bad injury at the worst possible time for the Cowboys because you would have thought that just based on the way he finished the year, I mean, he was their second best offensive player. I think you can make the argument he was their best offensive player um, uh, outside of CeeDee Lamb. Man, that that made things really complicated for them because without Pollard, they have one guy capable of making explosive plays. Hmm. Yeah, Tony Pollard. Yeah, I... were... Oh, I'm sorry. Go, Go ahead, ahead, Tom. 
No, and and we also, I mean, are you guys excited about Brian Schottenheimer coming in here to be his, uh, you know, right-hand man? I mean, we have always hated his, his offenses, uh, you know, up in Seattle. And uh, it's, I I just, I'm, I'm with you, Joe. I, I just, with the personnel, with the changes here, uh, I just, I'm probably going to be faded. Uh, you know, outside of CD Lamb, I'll probably fade the Cowboys quite a bit in fantasy drafts this year. I, I just, I'm not going to be very excited. Uh, running back situation, we got Paul coming back off a of major injury. We'll see what they do at tight end. They could, you know, maybe potentially draft one of these stud rookie tight ends. But uh, I'm just not feeling very optimistic about uh, where the Cowboys are heading this offseason. Well, the Cowboys offensive coordinator a year ago was Kellen Moore. He wasn't out of work very long. <laughs> I remember no. watching first take, I think, on ESPN because I, I hate myself. And they were talking about Kellen Moore losing his job. After a commercial break, they came back with a graphic. Hey, Kellen Moore signs with the L.A. Chargers. So he goes to L.A. and he's going to get to work with, uh, you know, Austin Eckler and Big Mike Williams. And oh, by the way, an ascending uh, young talent in Justin Herbert. Everybody has put out the stats, Tom, about, you know, Justin Herbert doesn't throw the ball down the field and this Joe Lombardi offense is, is, you know, it's two inches down the field. It's left. It's right. Now everyone has the assumption we're going to throw the ball down the field to some of these weapons we have. We don't know if Keenan Allen's going to be back, but you got big Mike for the five minutes. He's healthy. You got Josh Palmer. You've got uh, Austin Eckler in the backfield. Things are looking up, I believe, for Justin Herbert. Absolutely. They, they started that uh, coaching search uh, after they were eliminated in the divisional round, uh, in the wild card round to the char, uh, to the to the Jaguars. And as soon as Kellamore got on the open market after uh, the Cowboys lost, uh, I think they took a week to deliberate it. And uh, ultimately, McCarthy got his way. I mean, you're right. It, it took less than 24 hours for Moore to get that job. And uh, it, we wanted Sean Payton to potentially take that job uh, if they were going to fire Staley, but. I think we got a good compromise here with Kellen Moore to, to Los Angeles. I think we'll see more downfield shots. Uh, you know, Dak Prescott has been aggressive over the last couple of years attacking downfield. We just need kind of another receiver next to Mike Williams to really stretch the field. Uh, Jalen Hyatt's been kind of a popular – he's the speedster out of Tennessee uh, who's going to be getting talked up a lot here in the next uh, month or two leading up to the draft. They really need to get that vertical threat in this offense next to Mike Williams, and we'll see about Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen here going forward. But, uh, you know, this is the kind of hire that, hey, there's some optimism that this offense could start taking the steps forward here. Uh, I think this is going to be a step down for Austin Eckler a little bit. We'll be uh, monitoring his best ball uh, ADP, but he's certainly a top half of the first round type of pick right now he scored 18 different touchdowns in the last two years so but i have a feeling those check downs and uh, those opportunities in the passing game might i'm not going to say they're going to dry up he's certainly probably going to be you know a good for 70 catches a game but uh, these 100 yard catches are uh, probably not going to be in the mix here going forward here so i i, I love the hire we saw what uh kellen moore did in dallas uh hopefully he can Bring some of that. I want to know. I put it in the article that you know, if you look at Kellen Moore's offenses over the last four years, you have to also take into account that basically Dak Prescott missed an entire season in that mix. He had Andy Dalton, Cooper Rush, Ben DiNucci, and Garrett Gilbert combining for 17 starts in that mix. 
essentially one season uh, in that sample. So uh, what what Kellen Moore was able to do in Dallas is very promising here moving forward to uh, Los Angeles and the Chargers. Joe, what do you think about Austin Eckler? Is ADP on underdog in their big board tournament is 7.4. He was the number one running back in fantasy last year in total points. He was number one in PPR points per game. I mean, this is a guy you'd think if, if Christian McCaffrey had that season, and he almost did, he finished his RB2, but I think if Christian McCaffrey has that season, you look at ah, Christian McCaffrey, slam dunk number yeah. one. Like, why do we still always discount Austin Eckler? Uh, I, he is disrespected, and he becomes one of the harder people uh, for me to rank this year. Um, Tom noted this very well in his article, but despite Tony Pollard seemingly making an explosive play in the passing game every week, the Cowboys running backs this season um, were just had the ninth fewest targets in the NFL with 85 at the position. I mean, Austin Eckler, this is a guy who's catching 100 passes, and that's part of the reason that Austin Eckler is a big-time player. Now, if Kellen Moore is smart, and I, I don't have reason to believe he's not, I would think he's going to incorporate Austin Eckler a little bit more into his passing game, but I think it's fair to wonder if Joe Lombardi got a little too in love with Eckler and what Eckler could give the offense and didn't really let his quarterback do what his quarterback does best. And remember, we have that evidence that Joe Lombardi, sold sideways Joe, I call him. We have the evidence that Joe Lombardi loved to go, run a horizontal offense because he did the same damn thing with Matthew Stafford when Matthew Stafford had the, the freakiest wide receiver in history in Calvin Johnson. Stafford having the lowest average depth of target of his entire career under Joe Lombardi when Joe Lombardi was in Detroit. So I think it is fair to, to expect Eckler to pull back a little bit for the, uh, the, the, uh, the Chargers to use a little bit more of a rotation in that backfield. They have... But the funny part is the Chargers have also tried to find that number two running back every year since Melvin Gordon has moved on, and they haven't been able to do it. Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller, a guy who was like a second-round dynasty draft pick, had like four carries this year. <laughs> like, are they going to go out, and is, is Kellen Moore going to say, no, none of these guys are it. We got to go get another guy so I can have a rotation like Pollard and Zeke? that I did in Dallas, I think that's a big question for this offseason. If you guys are getting fired up for all our best ball talk here, just remember, you can go draft over at Underdog Fantasy right now. Their big board tournament with over $1 million in total prizes and 200 k given to first place. Think of all these incoming rookies. Who's going to burst onto the scene in 2023, right? Here's your chance to draft them in a value, folks. You think Austin Eckler's getting disrespected? You can go grab him. As your RB1 in the first round, all you have to do is join the big board, draft your fantasy team. That's it. In best ball, no waivers, no trades. You get the best scores in your starting lineup each week of the season. And whoever has the highest score at the end of the season, guess what? You win some cash. Head over to underdogfantasy.com, the Apple Store, Google Play Store, Pornhub, wherever you get your goods. Sign up with the promo code FANTASYPTS. It's Fantasy Points. Fantasy PTS, you will get your first deposit doubled up to a hundred bucks. That's right. Just go over there, use fantasy PTS, and I'm going to take your first time deposit up to a hundred bucks. Your boy Drake's going to double it. Don't tell Hanson that. It's my little secret. I'm doubling it today because you're a listener to the two point stance. Again, that's better. I got a better thing for you, Joe. Are you telling me 
If you sign up at Underdog using our code FANTASYPTS, you can get a Fantasy Point Standard subscription for $5. Is this yeah. a real thing? Uh, Drake, uh, you went to journo school, didn't you? Journalism school? Yeah. yeah you we call Oswego call State that? University that. You know what we call that in journo school, T-Bro? We buried the lead. What's that? Yeah. Oh. If you're a yeah. new subscriber to Underdog Fantasy using code FANTASYPTS, you get a Fantasy Point Standard subscription for $5. Oh my God! Well, That's you can fantastic. Get that, use those free credits and then uh, you know, learn up on the site, and there you go. Probably uh, I don't double that free money as well. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, pretty wild. It's fantasy points standard subscription five dollars. Use code Fantasy PTS at Underdog Fantasy. Oh my goodness! I, I, I think I get a Fantasy uh, Point subscription for for working here, but if not, I would be using that right now because uh, there is no better time to be a Fantasy Points subscriber. Oh, by the way. Humble brag for yeah, our site here. Yeah, coming yeah, on the heels do that at the top. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Coming on the heels here. of two FSWA award wins for our great writers over there, Jake Tribby and Scott Barrett, winning awards for their content. Uh, just Joe, I mean, you're the managing editor here. I think you've got to take a little joy in in seeing these guys collect some hardware. Uh, I do take I do take joy in their hardware. I take no credit for it, but I do take joy in it. Um, I, I got an FSGA uh, trophy back there, so we've got a uh, we've got an award-winning staff at FantasyPoints.com. Literally, an award-winning staff. Like I, I can I can quite frankly say that. So um, we have an acclaimed staff. So and you can get in at the door for five dollars. I know people don't want us to go all Ron Popeil here, uh, infomercial, uh, set it and forget it. But literally, a fantasy point subscription is set it and forget it. So uh, there you go, Underdog Fantasy, Fantasy PTS. $5 standard subscription. That's all it takes. You know, a guy who likes collecting uh, hardware is Bill O'Brien. You know, he's going to go to Alabama. He's like, hey, I'm going to win some titles down here. And I hope this Georgia team came along. But he's now moved along to the New England Patriots, where he will be the play caller. Tom, this was an abject failure in Foxborough last year with, I don't know if it's hubris or what you can call Bill Belichick deciding on Joe Judge and Matt Patricia calling, but this was horrible, just ill planning. But anyways, that's in the past. Bill O'Brien's going to step in here, and we know his work uh, from the NFL days when he was the head coach at the Houston Texans. Now, we talked about wide receivers with the Los Angeles Chargers. The Patriots don't have any wide receivers. Their best wide receiver, Jacoby Myers, is probably going to head out the door. So you're looking at the Tyquan Thorntons of the world, you know, uh, maybe they bring back Aguilar. I mean, it's it's tough here. Uh, and now there's talk of Mac Jones is on the hot seat. Maybe they want to move on from him. So Bill's got his work cut out for him, Tom. Yeah, this is uh, that was a curious decision. I, I I don't know if you guys saw Matt Patricia's interviewing for a defensive coordinator job in Denver uh, with Sean Payton. So I thought that was pretty. I, I don't think we. You probably have to go back many, many years before the Super Bowl, or probably never, that uh, a former offensive coordinator one year could potentially get a defensive coordinator job the next. So dumb, completely absurd. And uh, Belichick and company kind of got what they deserve with their decision to go with Patricia Patricia and uh, Joe Judge as the offensive coordinator last year. Mac Jones took huge step back, just a massive step back in any category you want to look at. Uh, his yards per attempt went down by a half a yard. His QB rating went from 92.5 to 84.8. Uh, just, you know, they, they just really struggled overall. There just seemed to be no 
lead to the offense. Uh, couldn't continue drives. Uh, really struggled on third down efficiency. So um, Bill maybe learned his lesson here. He's going back to another one of his old standbys, uh, Bill O'Brien. Uh, he's, he's going for the for the familiar again, an offensive coordinator. But at least Bill O'Brien has a you know a history of producing good offenses. I uh, obviously led the 2011 Patriots uh, back when they had Brady, Gronkowski, and Wes Wilker, uh, you know, running the offense. Um, moved to Houston. They had uh, four double – I think they uh, – four double-digit win seasons with him in Houston before he got fired eventually. Or maybe it was four uh, AFC South titles uh, before they moved on. And uh, they didn't win the national title in Alabama the last few years with Bill O'Brien, but – uh, still one of the best teams in the country down there. So mm-hmm. um, he, he kind of ran a variation variation of this Steve Sarkeesian offense the last couple of years. And uh, he worked with Mac Jones at Alabama in 2020. So maybe there are some elements from that Alabama offense that he'll, he's going to you know work into the Patriots offense this year to make Mac Jones feel a little bit more comfortable after last year's debacle. But Ramondre Stevenson – Finished last year as PPR running back nine, Joe. He averaged 14.7 points a game. He is the first Patriots player being drafted on underdog. He's got an ADP of 34 right now. After that, it falls off a cliff. You've got Jacoby Myers, who's in the hundreds. He's probably won't be on the team. And then it's Damian Harris at, at 167 underdog. So, I mean, we just don't have enough information because, frankly, the Patriots don't have enough players. Now, Damian Harris is, a, is an impending free agent. Um, uh, he'll be a free agent come March 1st. So they they drafted Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong last year. So that seemed to indicate that they're going to move on uh, from Damian Harris, at least before Bill O'Brien got into town. And this is Bill Belichick's team after all. So I really want to see what they do this offseason. I don't think, as much as I loved Ramondre last year, I don't think right now, if I was doing an underdog best ball draft, I'd be drafting him in the third round. I just don't that that's a team where I, I, I might be like, you know what? If Jacoby Myers uh, is around in the 10th round or 11th round, I might draft Jacoby Myers on the, on the assumption that maybe he resigns with the Patriots or sign somewhere. I mean, I think he's the best wide receiver on the market this year. Um, but after that, I don't know if I, I, I probably would talk myself into somebody else where Ramondre Stevenson's getting drafted right now without really looking at the whole picture for the Patriots just yet. Yeah, everything kind of broke right from last year. We were very high on him uh, as a mid to late round pick. And, you know, Damian Harris gets hurt in season. Uh, and we saw Bill Belichick clearly didn't trust those rookies right away. So he really handed the entire backfield to him. Uh you know, he certainly took off, but yeah, there's, there's probably some room here that it's probably going to take a step back here. Probably get these rookies a little bit more involved in the offense this year. Uh, the, the days of uh, Ramondre seeing 80 to 90% of the snaps like he was last year. I think there was a game last year where he got like all but one snap. I mean, Kevin Harris came in for one snap and uh, lost two yards. I think it was a Thursday night football game or it was a primetime game of some sort. And uh, Ramondre played the rest of the game, so I, I don't I don't see those type of things happening this year uh, with Ramondre Stevenson. So his price is probably a little probably a little inflated right now. Let's stick in the division and go over to the New York Jets. Their new play caller is Nathaniel Hackett. 
Yeah, that's Nathaniel Hackett, the uh, former Denver Broncos head coach. I had him for a couple of seasons here in Syracuse with Doug Marone calling plays. Now, listen, I'll tell you this one thing about Nathaniel Hackett. We can joke all we want about how terrible some of his teams have been and how he's lucked out having great quarterbacks, and we'll see who his quarterback is here in New York. His offenses like to get the ball in the pass game to the running backs, and I remember that from Syracuse, and I remember that uh, from his time with, you know, with the Bills, Jacksonville and with Denver Denver's just a mess last year but I think that bodes well for our boy Brees Hall when he comes back and is fully healthy uh but Nathaniel Hackett guys coming into this are, are you excited about this this team has so many weapons Tom I mean it, it's all on the quarterback though is it Derek Carr is it Aaron Rodgers uh you know who comes in and takes or do they trade for Lamar Jackson you know I, that's question number one in Gotham yeah, I, I can't say I'm excited about Nathaniel Hackett taking any job right now after what we saw last year, but maybe he's in a better situation this time around. He doesn't have the head coaching duties. Uh, First-time head coach, and he was trying to do the offensive play calling. It was a complete disaster last year. Uh, I do like how he's used the backs in the past, but I can't get over what I saw last year at the beginning of the season with Javante Williams. Hey, we got to work Melvin Gordon into a 50-50 Terrible. split with him. Uh Hey, Mike Boone, hey, what is, you want some snaps here? You get involved as well. So uh, based on everything up until we saw last year, I would be all in on Brees Hall, but uh, I, I still probably am because he's just ex- ex- exceptional talent, but we'll see if he learned anything from his experience last year. I, I got to feed Brees Hall. Hopefully he's completely healthy. We'll get the full uh, scope of his injury here over the next uh, you know six to seven months, but seems like he's going to be on track to return in training camp based on early reports. But, uh, yeah, Hackett, we'll see how he approaches this backfield. Last year, uh, certainly, it was not – it was very frustrating for anybody that had Javante Williams last year. Uh, the thing about uh, the Brees Hall thing um, is that I do think if Javante hadn't gotten um, injured, they obviously would have figured this out eventually. They got rid of Melvin yeah. Gordon, um, and he would have ended up having a strong second half of the year. But I, I do kind of have to agree with Tom. Like I saw when Nathaniel Hackett got hired here, I, I imagined um, uh, Michael Carter, like the Sickos meme. You guys know the Sickos meme, where the guy's looking in the window and he's got a shirt that says Sickos, and he's like, "Ha ha, yes, yes." I figured that was Michael Carter when Nathaniel Hackett got the job. Like. I'm the only sicko who wants to see me getting more touches and I'm about to get them. But uh, this is one of those ones where, and I think Arizona is, is another coaching situation where I just don't know how comfortable I am talking about this because I need to know who the quarterback is. Yeah. And we know it's not going to be Zach Wilson. We know it's not going to be Mike White. Let me see who the quarterback is. I mean, you even dropped Derek, you dropped Gardner Minshew in New York and that offense <laughs> is better than it was last year. So um, oh. they're going to be better. Oh, how this would Jets fans be if they talk all offseason long about getting Derek Carr and Rodgers and they have to settle for Gardner and shit? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think yeah. even like, you know, J- Jimmy Garoppolo, that, that offense is better than it was last year. Um, but, of course, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo uh, would have fit better into the last offense. So we'll see what we'll see what happens. But until that, uh, that, that quarterback, I just really hope they don't strike out because I'm really excited to draft Garrett Wilson. And I think Elijah Moore at his current ADP – uh, yes, I, I'm falling for it again, baby. I know one twenty five point nine is his current that, ADP on underdog. Home run pick right there. Home yeah, run the, pick. The Jets currently have two players coming off the board on underdog in the top twenty five. Garrett Wilson 
is going at 20.8 and Brees Hall is going at 25.6. Is that a little rich for Garrett Wilson, who finished last year as PPR's wide receiver 22, averaged only, you know, he had some up and down games, obviously, averaged only 12.4 points per week. So he's finishing last year as, as wide receiver 22. Overall, he's going off the board this year at player 20. Uh, I don't think it's too rich. I don't think it is either. I, I think I'll be drafting him. Uh, we did early best ball rankings on the website. Uh, I have him like late second round-ish, you know, like kind of with the top, uh, not Tyreek Hill, uh, uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Jalen Waddle kind of group in that in that range. So um, anytime you, you get these situations where the quarterbacking was apocalyptic, apocalyptically bad, uh, I want to target those situations. So I've got an ascending player with Garrett Wilson. Clearly command the targets right away. We'll have more fantasy points data uh, coming out here soon. But I know he was one of the, you know, the first read, you know, one of the top guys on those uh, type of targets. So I, I think his needle is pointing straight up. I, I, I don't think he can be high enough on Garrett Wilson. I mean, I, I mean maybe top 15 um, might be a little bit rich, but anything in the mid-second round I think is pretty fair for Garrett Wilson. Let's head down the turnpike to Philadelphia. And while the Eagles have not officially named anyone as their offensive coordinator, they did lose uh, Shane Steichen to a head coaching job in Indianapolis. All reports suggest that the Eagles will hire Brian Johnson, who is on their staff right now. Again, we cannot confirm that, but that seems to be the, the way they're leaning, guys. He's been on Sirianni's staff since 2021. He's got a good relationship with Jalen Hurts. I don't think you're going to get any discount with Philadelphia Eagles players right now because of the uncertainty at offensive coordinator. Tom, how much do you think, whether it's Brian Johnson or someone else, I, I don't think this Eagles offense is going to change very much from the identity we saw take them to the Super Bowl. No, I, I, I think we're going to see a very similar offense. Nick Sirianni is still kind of running things. He did give over the play calling to Steichen uh, in the middle of 2021, but uh, I, I'm not expecting much difference here. Um, we'll see if Jalen Hurts just can continue to improve, though. Ever since Brian Johnson came in there, he's just improved by leaps and bounds every year. So uh, we saw him in the Super Bowl, man. He was the best player on the field in that game. Uh, one of the best performances ever by uh, you know, a player on a losing team, in my opinion. Uh, so we'll see if he can continue to excel here. That was I did have an MVP bets article that's already come out. I took Jalen Hurts at plus 1,300. I know I don't typically take a lot of guys near the top of the board, but I thought he should be more in the plus 800, plus 900 range. Uh, we've seen Devontae Smith continue to take steps forward. Seems like Jason Kelsey uh, is at least pondering coming back. I mean, why Bring not? Another keg to the house. Exactly. I mean, why would you want to step away from this situation? So uh, they're going to have some decisions to make on the defensive side of the ball, but I don't see this offense taking many steps back. And we'll see if Brian Johnson can – uh, you know, continue the play calling uh, at, at the level of the scene Steichen did, but uh, there's always Nick Sirianni if uh, things get, you know, off to a rocky start and uh, if they need to switch things up. Yeah, you've Joe, got me... the, uh, the the obvious narrative. Brian Johnson's known Jalen Hurts since he was a toddler. So, yeah. like, I mean, there's uh, obviously that as well. I think this, this is, again, we, we have, they haven't done this, made this higher. I think Eagle fans would be a pop, a, a pop, a, what word am I looking for? I tried to say it earlier too. Apoplectic. Apoplectic. Uh, if uh, if 
Brian Johnson was not promoted to, promoted the offensive coordinator. The Eagles were basically denying him interviews because they knew Shane Steichen was going to get an offensive coordinator uh, or a head coaching job somewhere. Brian Johnson's getting promoted here. And I mean, if you, if you want to be super high on AJ Brown, Dallas Goddard, Devonte Smith, you know, the Eagles have some key free agents on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to bring back CJ Gardner Johnson, but they probably are going to lose James Bradbury and Javon Hargrave. You know, Fletcher Cox might be gone. Maybe they give up a few more points. They have to throw the ball more. That's what Jeff, Jeffrey Lurie wants. We know. At the end of the season, they're going to have probably have a tough schedule as well. I mean, last year's schedule was a little easier, so maybe they'll be pushed a little bit more. That's that's was one of the main reasons I kind of like that MVP bet. That maybe they'll have to throw it a little bit more. They were really icing games a lot in the second half with uh, Miles Sanders and even with Jalen Hurts. So maybe this passing game gets pushed a little bit more in the second half of these uh, the games that they were winning this year. A popular name for Philadelphia in these early best ball drafts is going to be Kenneth Gainwell. We are unsure of what's going to happen with Miles Sanders. Anyone who thinks the Eagles are going to take a running back uh, with the 10th pick in the first round has no idea what they're talking about. Has never seen Howie Roseman uh, build a team, so that's not going to happen. But we could see Miles Sanders out the door and they bring somebody else in to play they're not going to pay a running back very much money but kenny gainwell guys really showed out at the end of the season especially in the playoffs do you think philly maybe gives him more of a look as kind of a 1b versus a you know he was in that three-man rotation boston scott miles sanders he looked really good at the end of the season joe he did look really good but i'm beginning to wonder if miles sanders is going to find what he's looking for on the open market and if he does it does Howie Roseman say, hey, even if we extend Jalen Hurts this offseason, his first year or two of that contract, we're going to have a lot of cap flexibility as we load up to go make another Super Bowl run. I am beginning to wonder if Miles Sanders, at like what again is like a seventh, eighth round ADP, right now is a value in best ball because of the fact that maybe he doesn't find that three or four year deal out there from another team. And I think everybody's presuming that he is, and he's going to go to a worse team and, you know, he's going to be a part-time player and he's, and he hasn't really been catching the ball, but man, if Miles Sanders is back in Philadelphia, he was the number 15 running back in total fantasy points last year. If he's back in Philadelphia, even with Kenny Gainwell taking a bigger role, he is going to pay off a seventh, eighth round ADP, which is where he's at right now. And Drake, if, if, if Sanders is willing to take a one-year deal, and I think that's a possibility. It's always a possibility at the running back position. Mm-hmm. I think he could be back in Philadelphia. I, I completely agree. And I think that signing might actually help you steal Kenny Gainwell for a value. The day the Eagles sign another running back, Kenny Gainwell's ADP is going to drop. And you're going to be able to get him at a value. Yeah. So if they see him ascending uh, in their pecking order, you know, it's a, a, bank, a buying opportunity could be had. Tom, let's go over to Washington, where the Commanders have brought in Eric sleeping with the enemy. I always used to love when Chris Berman would do that one. <laughs> so this is a tough one, and I listened to our good friend and FantasyPoints.com contributor Adam Kaplan talk about this on SiriusXM in the mornings with the Guru. Nobody wanted this job. Because they know Riverboat Ron, who God knows why he's still employed by the commanders. This is a one-year deal. You're going to get this job. A new ownership group is likely to come in. Everyone's going to go. So nobody wants to come and take a one-year spot on a team with Sam Howell 
probably as your starting quarterback. But Bienemy, he had to get out of the shadow of Andy Reid and all that. I mean, you could talk about that for days. But let's talk about what it is, Tom. Bienemy comes in. Uh, he's worked under Reid since 2013. He has a team now with a second-year unproven quarterback in Sam Howell. Uh, you've got a couple of running backs in Brian Robinson uh, and um, Antonio Gibson. He's still got really good weapons on the outside. There's there's things to work with here. There's some nice toys for the Commanders. Yeah, this this is a fat one of the most fascinating situations to me. You're completely right about. Man, this is a this is a big roll of the dice for Eric Bieniemy. He's been looking for his spot to. Uh, really get it, you know, become a head coach. Those haven't, you know, materialized here. So he's he's really rolling the dice here. He could, he could strike it big. I mean, if he has a fairly successful season, uh, gets the uh, commander back into contention in the NFC East, maybe uh, has them in the playoffs and the offense, you know, takes significant steps forward with Sam Howell. I think he's going to be at the top of a lot of uh, lists to, to get a, a head coaching job. But there's there's a lot of pitfalls with, with, with this job, as you said. Could be out of a job immediately with new ownership group that wants to bring in their uh, own coaching staff. And the dynamic between Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy is pretty fascinating to me. Uh, we'll see. Bieniemy has spent the last 10 years behind Andy Reid. We know what Andy Reid's teams want to do. They want to throw it, throw it some more, and throw it a little bit more after that. Uh, is of course a running back at heart. He still holds the records at Colorado. Uh, was a long time running back assistant, but has the last decade of his career shown him light. Hey, we need to be aggressive. We need to throw the ball. So this is going to be a little bit of an interesting dynamic. We'll see if Ron Rivera, he's much, you know, he's, he's as conservative as it gets. He wants to probably run Brian Robinson 350 times he could this year. Uh, he wants to win with defense. They certainly have one of the better defenses in the league. But uh, I argue that the strength of this team right now is with Terry McLaurin and a guy that we're going to be really high on again this year, Jahan Dotson. They're the two best players on this offense. They need to, you know, you know, push this offense towards those guys. Uh, we'll we'll see if it's with a rookie quarterback. Uh, basically, a rookie quarterback. This will be his second season with Sam Howell. But uh, I, I this is. Absolutely fascinating what uh, this Washington situation is going to be like. Let's kind of just do a little rapid fire through some of these teams here. Shane Steichen leaves Philadelphia, goes to Indianapolis uh, to a team now again. We don't know who this quarterback is going to be for the Colts right now. Uh, We'll see what happens uh, in the draft and maybe in some free agency for the Colts. But you still have Jonathan Taylor to lean on. You still have Michael Pittman on the outside. Defense that's not as bad as people want to say for their overall record. So, if Steichen can bring this same offense to Indianapolis, I'm going to throw a name out to you guys. And they're in division. I don't know if it would happen unless they released them. You're desperate for a guy. What about Ryan Tannehill? Can't I know you can't sell fans. that. I, I get it. On their fans, um, that they're going to have to go get a young guy. And I wonder now. Steichen's work with all kinds of uh, all kinds of young. Um, all kinds of quarterbacks. Justin Herbert, obviously, he's worked with Philip Rivers. He's worked with uh, Jalen Hurts. I wonder if he's going to be more interested in having a guy who can run a little bit more. If if he feels like that's the cheat code that's going to help unlock his offense. Drake, you and I talked about that a couple weeks ago. I don't know if 
if if, if Raleigh agrees, but uh, you cannot sell Colts fans on going out and getting another retread quarterback. Not going to happen. Uh, yeah, I, I I mean, this is essentially what the fifth straight year they'll have a new quarterback uh, starting week one. Uh, Colts want the guy, and I think ownership wants their own guy. Ursay, I know he was on Twitter a couple of weeks ago talking about how he always had a relationship with Chicago and. Uh, they're certainly in play for trading up the number one, um, you know, GM. You know, they they like these bigger uh, quarterbacks. Maybe Will Levis is even at play at number four overall. We're going to see his stock probably rise here after the combine, after he blows it up. I don't even know if he's performing at the combine, but after his pro day or whatever, whenever he gets measured and uh, runs and shows off his uh, you know, muscular, rippled body, uh, you know, 240 pounds, chiseled. He's going to rise up the draft process. So uh, I, I'm with you, Joe. I, they have to go young. They cannot go with another retread quarterback. And I think if you bring in Steichen, you're, you you want to go the young route because we've seen what his recent success is, uh, you know, with Justin Herbert, uh, you know, setting rookie records whenever he came in. And uh, certainly what Jalen Hurts did the last two years. So I, I think they have to go the young quarterback route. And, uh, but, you know, give Steichen a chance. I mean, that was – I think Reich is a good coach. We'll probably touch on him next. But uh, you want to give your young your young coach the quarterback that he can grow with. They thought they were doing that with Reich, with Andrew Locke. Um, you know, things just didn't play out that way. And they had a roster that was pretty close to competing for, you know, Super Bowls and uh, wanted to try to patch it, patch it together. I think they're kind of in that rebuild mode now. Let's go for the young quarterback. Joe, last thing on the Colts, Jonathan Taylor last year was going off the board as the number one player in fantasy football. Right now he's got an ADP of 11 on underdog. Is Jonathan Taylor mispriced? Yeah, I think he's a little underpriced. Um, Shane Steichen came out and said, hey, we're going to throw to score and run to win. But if anything, his Philadelphia offense showed you is he's going to adapt game by game by what they think they can do. You remember the Eagles. What was it they uh, – they threw for like 350 on the Titans one week and then ran for 300 on the Packers the next, or I think it was vice versa, showing that they can win in both ways. Shane Steichen is going to be adaptable. He's not going to run Jonathan Taylor into nine-man boxes if that's what the defense is, pre- is presenting him. But if he has a quarterback who's mobile, Tom talked about Will Levis, maybe somebody else, maybe Anthony Richardson. I don't know who's going to wind up at the top of the draft board for them. But if they have a quarterback who's mobile and those boxes aren't stacked, I think Jonathan Taylor could get 25 carries a game for 120 yards. So I think he's a little bit underpriced right now. Um, I just do think that a lot of folks are expecting the Colts to have to take their lumps, which I think is a reasonable expectation. You mentioned Frank Wright, Tom. He is now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Every single year we go through this exercise of drafting DJ Moore based on his talent, and he always lets us down. But we're going to get Frank Reich, bringing this offense that we've seen from Philadelphia, from Indianapolis, and now down to Carolina. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Could it be Sam Darnold? Could it be a rookie? Could they make a trade? Uh, You know, something's got to happen for Carolina. They have the ninth pick right now in the first round. I I wonder if that's no man's land for a quarterback, to be honest. Uh, You might have to do some, some magic there, but... Overall, this team ran the ball. Steve Wilkes did an outstanding job. I think Steve Wilkes should have been coach of the year over Brian Dayball. You can go to my Twitter feed and fight with me about that at Drake Fantasy. <laughs> Trust me, a lot of people did. But they ran the football with Deonta Foreman, and they did it really well. 
Um, what kind of identity do you think Frank brings to this offense in Carolina? Uh, who they got a couple of pieces. Yeah, it, it feels like doesn't it feel like Frank Wright like basically just jumped back right into the same situation he was in Indianapolis the last couple of years. They have a not not necessarily last year. This offensive line I think is kind of emerging as one of the better ones in the league. It's and it's an ascending offensive line. Uh, defense is certainly in place, but they're still looking for that quarterback. Uh, we'll see. They do, as you said. I think number nine is kind of no man's land. I think they might have to swing for the fences. I think they're certainly in play to trade up potentially to get one of these young running backs, but uh, we'll see what Deontay Foreman does. He's a free agent, but the way that Frank Reich used his backs, he was not afraid to lean on them. Of course, we remember Jonathan Taylor the last two years, just uh, being a, a bell cow workhorse type of back before that in his first two years as head coach, uh, Marlon Mack was kind of that guy. He was getting fed the rock. So we'll see if Deontay Foreman is uh, that guy, or maybe they go outside the organization here. There's certainly some other free agents in the mix. Maybe we'll go through the draft. I think the I think they feel pretty comfortable with Deontay Foreman. I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to come back as well. I think he said so after the season. And nobody's uh, to, paying to us. Let's be honest. Exactly. And nobody's paying him with that Achilles injury the, in his past. Yeah, be the top guy in a situation where he can excel, and um, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for both parties to come back and. Uh, run it back. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. Foreman's real cheap in best ball drafts right now. I, I think he's a little bit of a discount. You're not going to get the receiving from him as we saw last year. Chu Hubbard was that guy for the offense, but I think at the very least he's going to get get fed a lot if he comes back to Carolina. His underdog ADP, fellas, is 167 uh, Ooh, currently. Cheap. Yeah, and this is a guy that ran for 914 yards. And it, you know, only started nine games. So like, I like that buying opportunity uh, in Carolina. Let's keep cruising along here. I don't even know where to go with some of these guys. Like, yeah. Bobby Slowick. Slowick. Yeah. No clue. No clue. I mean, like Drake, I don't, the one thing that, that you can't do here is twist yourself into a pretzel, trying to convince yourself, you know, what some of these first time coordinators under first time head coaches are going to do. Good call. I mean, just why would you? Why would you do that and 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 come up with a take? We don't know. We just have no clue. You know, you can always say, "Oh, he learned under this guy," but what if he decided? What if Eric Bieniemy decided? Oh, he learned under Andy Reid. But what if he has a different idea of how an offense should be run? You know, it's like you can't even. Sometimes you can't even do all of that. So look at Shane Steichen. I mean, he had to run a completely different offense for Jalen Hurts than he ran for Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Bobby Bobby Sloak. Yeah. Drew Petzing, uh, Canales. I mean, those guys, I mean, we can talk a little bit about them, but uh, the one that's kind of remaining, I think we should give a little breath to is uh, Todd Bunkin uh, right. taking over the offense in Baltimore. I, I really, I actually kind of really like this hire by the, uh, by the Ravens. Uh, it kind of got boring and bland in, in Baltimore. Uh, just the, the, the passing game concepts uh, just really grew tired in Baltimore where Stephen core was you know, the worst in the league here. I think this is at least a signal. Well, Steve's playing quarterback. We'll, we'll scout that all plays out this off season. Certainly we're going into the third off season. Where Lamar Jackson is looking for that contract and it could be, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. There could be some sort of holdout or whatever, but I think on the surface, at least that they want to 
kind of modernize this offense. They want to get it more vertical. They want to stretch the field. They want to uh, be more aggressive in, through the air here. And uh, we, there was talk that it was going to happen with Lamar back in 2021, and it did to an extent. They were ranked in the top half of the league uh, in passing yards. But for the most part, under Greg Roman, it's been kind of a bland, boring, let's run it, run it again, and uh, you know, run it some more after that. So uh, I really like this hire by Baltimore getting Todd Duncan in. And um, usually I I tend to not like the, you know, these guys that have been around forever and let's bring an offensive play caller who's close to 60 years old and has been in the league for 30 years. But in this case, I kind of like it. Uh, I, I think this could be just what the Baltimore Ravens offense needs. And they have to bring Lamar back. I mean, where else are they going to go at this point? I, 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 they have to, but is Lamar going to be willing to do it? That, that, that's the... That's the the whole thing here with this. I think Baltimore is going to kind of wait it out, see what happens with uh, Justin Herbert, with uh, you know Joe Burrow, with Jalen Hurts. If they want to see those three quarterbacks not get fully guaranteed contracts, because that's what Lamar Jackson wants. He saw what Deshaun Watson got. He got the fully guaranteed contract. The Baltimore Ravens are waiting to see if those other teams they want them not to get fully guaranteed contracts, so they can say to Lamar, "Hey." Joe Burrow didn't take a fully guaranteed contract. Why should you? So uh, we're, this is going to be a slow deliver thing. I think we'll, you know, we'll probably see a franchise tag here uh, placed on him. But we'll we got two more weeks for that to, to see what happens. All right, fellas, good job. I, I like this. Just kind of getting a feel for the market, uh, and it's important for fantasy owners out there to know about these offenses. So when you go into Maybe it's a best ball draft over at underdog using our code fantasy PTS or, you know, just getting ready for your home leagues, your dynasty leagues. you got decisions to make on players. you got to know about the play callers, the offenses are going to run. Tom Brawley did an excellent job. Again, go to fantasypoints.com, Check out his article on the coaching carousel. Uh, make yourself smarter. And hey, we got award winners over there, baby. And if you want to get in on the action, go to underdogfantasy.com. Deposit only five bucks and you're going to get a, or no, just make a deposit, right, Joe? And you're going to yeah. get a subscription to yeah. for $5. I don't understand why you would make a $5 deposit to Underdog. No. Because they oh, double the deposit. Max that out. Get that yeah, max it out. It's max $100. It Do the $100 and then you get a $5. You were thinking of subscribing to Fantasy Points anyway, which is a $60 value. Just subscribe. Go deposit it at Underdog. And then you get a fantasy point subscription for just five extra bucks. I don't understand why you wouldn't do that. It's oh. a it's a hell of a value. It's a deal on top of a deal. Make sure you're following Tom on Twitter at Tom Brawley. Joe is at FG underscore Dolan. I am, of course, at Drake Fantasy. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with the two-point stance. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave us a comment if you like. Tell us what offense you think is going to excel with a new coordinator in 2023. And as always, folks, enjoy the offseason. Go into a bunker like Aaron Rodgers and uh, just veg out and enjoy the fantasy football content that we're putting out at FantasyPoints.com on the two-point stage. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.